All right, we're in Matthew chapter 16. I want you to notice in verse 1, it says, The Pharisees also, with the Sadducees, came and tempting him, desired him, that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, ye say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but ye cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. What I want to preach about this morning is the sign of the prophet Jonas. Now, what is that? We're going to see another passage about that in just a little bit. But the sign of the prophet Jonas is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is what we are celebrating, what's being celebrated all over the world today. And that is the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus literally died and was dead for three days. And before his body could see corruption, he was raised from the dead and in a miraculous way. And when he did that, we believe that he conquered death for every man. And because of that, we now can have salvation and eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's what we're celebrating today. This is, I mean, this is the most victorious day that there is. And, you know, I'm thankful, you know, to be in church today. I'm thankful to have a good crowd in church today. I was thinking about last Easter uh, where I saw a lot of people were uh, tweeting and sharing things about, you know, what are churches in the tomb going to have in common? They're all going to be empty. Because remember last year, everybody was supposed to be staying home on Easter. And some places they're still telling people to stay home on Easter. But, man... I, I remember just thinking, you know, Easter is a victorious day. And just the thought of not having church on Easter just, it kind of blew my mind, you know. And, of course, we did it anyway and because, you know, we're, we're just victorious people. And, you know, Jesus, that's just our, that's our culture. That is who we are. Our leader, he was killed, but they couldn't keep him dead. They, he let them do it so he could pay for our sins, and he rose again. And this is, this, is, this is the greatest holiday, I think, in all the world. And celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this, that resurrection, though, understand that right there, that was the sign for the world. That, and a lot of people today, they want a sign that there is a God. But when they, say, when they come to you and they say that, prove to me that there is a God, they're not willing to accept the testimony of the Bible. They're not willing to... Uh, except the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what they really mean is, I want you to do a magic trick for me right now. That's what they mean. And understand, the Bible says there's not going to be any sign given except for that sign of the prophet Jonah. So we're going to look at uh, the resurrection, but we're also going to look at why it's referred to as the sign of the prophet Jonah. Also, why you refer to it as that. But this is what everybody needs to realize is that right there is the sign. If somebody wants to tell you, prove to me that there is a God, you know what you ought to tell them about? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You should preach the gospel to them. Now, I know what they're doing. They want you to physically show him to them. They want you to do some kind of miracle because that's what a wicked and adulterous people do. But understand, the sign has already been given, and it is our job to go and tell everybody about that sign and we do that by preaching the gospel and telling them that Jesus died and he rose from the dead. That's what it is all about. But it is, it's a very common thing for people to demand some kind of sign as proof before they'll believe the gospel. But I'm here today to tell you that signs do not work. You know what? Because for one, God requires faith. And signs and miracles, they don't, they're not going to help you have faith. They're not. Look what it says in Luke chapter 16. 
Because this show me a sign attitude, this is an attitude that people will take to hell with them. And it says in Luke 16, 27, this is a man who is in hell right now. The story of the rich man and Lazarus. This rich man, he is in hell, burning at this point. And then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him, talking about Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. This rich man, he had the same attitude that people do today. Show me a miracle and I'll believe. And here he is in hell thinking if they would do a miracle, if he would send Lazarus back from the dead, then my brothers, they would believe and they would repent. They would get saved. But then, but Moses said, they've got Moses and the prophets. And the rich man, no, that's not good enough. Now, what do we do when we go, we give people the gospel? We show them the word of God, don't we? And what do people often say? No, I want a miracle. But is that how God works? Is that how God has ever saved people? No, it's not. People need to believe God's word. And so in Luke 16, 31, he goes on and he says, And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. So understand, you don't do any better of a miracle than raising somebody from the dead. That's as good as it gets right there. That's as big as it gets. Raising somebody from the dead. And Moses rightfully said, if they won't believe the Bible, they won't believe even if someone rises from the dead. Let me tell you something. Anybody who ever tells, me, tells you, show me a sign and I'll believe, they are lying. They are not telling the truth. And if you showed them a sign, they would not get saved. We just need to understand that because sometimes we do. It's like we're praying, you know, Lord, do something. You know, we try to pray down some kind of miracle or something. It's not going to work. It, does, it doesn't do anything. And what's interesting about this story is this rich man is asking for Abraham to send Lazarus. Because if Lazarus gets raised from the dead, my brothers will believe. But you know what's interesting? There was another Lazarus who did get raised from the dead. And what did the Jews do then? They determined even more to kill Jesus. Think about that. Jesus literally, in front of a bunch of people, raised a man named Lazarus from the dead, and the people they didn't get saved, they're like, we've got to kill him. That was their attitude. So understand, people are not going to get saved if you show them a sign. Because, you know, and here's another truth. Now hear me out on this. But people who will not believe the gospel are evil people. Now I'm not saying that everyone who is not saved is an evil person. I'm saying everyone who will not believe. When you go and you show them a clear presentation of the gospel and they refuse to listen, the Bible teaches it's because they are evil. Now look what it says in John 3, 18. It says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Understand, Jesus Christ is that light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. 
And people who refuse to, to look at that light, people who turn away from it because they don't want to see the truth, those people are evil people who just, they, they like their evil deeds and they don't want a light being shown on it. They don't want to know that those things are wrong because they want to go on and enjoy it. They don't want to know about eternal consequences because if they accept the fact there's eternal consequences for what they're going to do, then they're not going to enjoy what they're doing so much anymore. And, on, and the Bible's very clear about this. And you might think, well, you know, this isn't fair. You know, this, this is a bad attitude. You know, this, this, I don't think this is right. But let's think about this for a minute because everyone would agree I think everybody universally accepts the fact that, you know, lying is bad and truth is good. Right? I mean, can we at least agree on that? That truth is good and lies are bad. I, I think we should be able to find some common ground right there, right? So think about this. The Word of God is truth regardless of what your opinion is. The, the truth is not relative. Truth is truth. Now, we live in a world today that's so confused in the mind that they do think truth is relative. Well, that's your truth. No. There's truth, and then there's lies. Okay, Truth is truth. You know, And God's word is truth, and anyone who will not believe it or chooses to reject it, they do it because they are evil people who do not like the light. Now, understand, there's a difference between someone who is wicked, which means lawless. Okay? There are some people... They just don't really have anything governing them. They just kind of do whatever they feel like doing. That's wicked. Okay? They're lawless. They don't have any any guiding principles. But then you've got other people who are evil. And someone who is evil is somebody who wants to harm other people, who wants to do somebody who wants to do bad. And some people live lawless lives just because that's all they really know. They've never been challenged to live a righteous life. But evil people. They're not just people who commit sins, but they're people who seek to hurt others. And so there are some rough, lawless people out there who, when the truth shines in their life, and this might, and this is probably many of you, at one time, you were a rough individual. You did a lot of things that a person shouldn't do, but you were just doing what the world does. But when the light of the gospel shone and you saw your sins, you know what you said? I need to stop doing this. You know, and you and you trusted Christ. You confessed your sins to him and asked him to cleanse you from those sins. That, that's what you did. You were still wicked, okay, but you weren't evil. When you found when you realized, when you had that knowledge that what you were doing was wrong, you know what? You wanted to stop. You wanted to be better. You wanted to be cleaned up. It's like when you, you know, that and, and the, the the light of the gospel, it is it's like that mirror. That mirror sometimes shows you things that you don't want to see. But it's just your reflection. It's reality. And some of us, we want to know if we got something going on. You know, we want to know if we've got a booger hanging out of our nose or something like that. You know, and so we can take care of it. But some people, they don't want to know. They want to go on, and, you know, and that's, that's weird in that situation. But there's some people, they want to know if they're doing right. Some people, they, they want to know if they're going down the right path. And the Word of God shows that to us. But there are some people... They don't want to know because they like what they're doing. They're doing their own thing, and they're happy doing it. And don't you dare mess up my, you know, rain on my parade and show me the truth and reveal that I'm living a lie. They don't want to know that, and that's wrong. And so those today, 
So there, you know, there are, there's the rough, lawless people, the truth shines, they get convicted, they want to do right, but then there's others, they don't want it. They ignore the truth. They ignore the light. They often fight against it. They try to put out the light. There's people out there that they hate what we preach. They hate the things that we're teaching in this church. They don't want it out. They don't want it out there. They don't want people shining a light on their sins. I mean, really, when you stop and think about it, why does it bother people so much what I think about their sins? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, can I stop them from doing what they're doing? Do I have any power? But you know what I do? You know what I have the power to do? You know what you have the power to do? To shine a light on them. And it's the light that they hate. I have no power on this earth. I have no power in the government to do anything, to legislate anything that I believe about the Bible. But you know what I can do? I can be a light. And we're living in a world today where people are trying to put that light out. And we live in a world today where people who have that light are often putting it under a bushel and not getting it out there because they don't want to deal with the problems that often comes with that. That's not good. But listen, those people today who are out there demanding signs and proof before they believe, before they will believe they are liars and they are hypocrites. Because by here's the thing too, by anyone's standards, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historical fact. By, by anyone's standards. If we discovered a new carving on a wall in a pyramid somewhere that had the name of a pharaoh, they would write whole new chapters in history and it would be established as a historical fact. Something that has been forgotten for thousands of years. If they found one carving on a wall somewhere, and they're not even sure if they're even interpreting right, they would, they would write whole new chapters in history about that. But yet we have the four Gospels. We have the writings of Paul and the, many, and the epistles. We have so many writings. We, this is something that has been being talked about since the time of Christ. This is not forgotten history. This has been being talked about since it happened. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Recently, somebody tried telling me that Pontius Pilate was fiction because he's not found anywhere in history. There's nothing in history that ever shows anything about Pontius Pilate. Well, the, the mistake this person made is whatever article or resource they were using for that, it was a little outdated because it was in recent history. They actually did finally find historical evidence of Pontius Pilate. You know what it was? It was a carving on a rock. There was a carving on a rock that, you know, that dated back to his time that was recently uncovered, I think maybe you know, not, not that long ago, you know, in the last few decades, I think, and it had the name of Pontius Pilate on it. And that carving in a rock all of a sudden made it an established historical fact that there was a Pontius Pilate. But it's like, how come this didn't do it? You know, history always ends up backing up the Bible, but it's, it's so funny how that now, that carving on a rock now qualifies it as a historical fact where the scriptures don't. Okay, we got some serious double standards going on here, don't we? All these things that you all would say is a historical fact, there is so much more evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ than many of our historical facts. So just don't, you know, don't let people... You know, fully on those things. But look what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Now understand, 
scriptural evidence is the best evidence for anything in the world. It's the best evidence of anything in the world. But you know what? Eyewitness testimony is pretty good too, isn't it? And it goes on, it says, and he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. Paul said there was over 500 people that saw the resurrected Jesus Christ at one time, and he said most of those people are still alive today. He said some of them have passed on, some of them are asleep, but he's saying this is, this is a fact right here. He said, after that, he was seen of James and then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. So the documentation of the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it meets and surpasses every standard that there is for something to be considered historical fact. Yet people still don't believe it. Why, why is that? Well, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 38 it says, then certain of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. So Jesus earlier in Matthew 12, he used Jonah, or Jonah just like he did in Matthew chapter 16. He said in chapter 12, the men of Nineveh would rise up and they would condemn that generation because in Nineveh, less signs were given to them than that generation had been given. And yet the people of Nineveh, they repented. So let me ask you, how does the story of Jonah compare to the resurrection of Jesus? I think this is an important thing to understand because, again, Jesus referred to his resurrection as the sign of the prophet Jonas. Okay, and we're not going to read through the whole book of Jonah, but go ahead and turn over to Jonah chapter 2. Go ahead and turn over to Jonah chapter 2. But you all know the story of Jonah. God told Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach to the people there. Uh, Jonah said, no, I don't want to go. Jonah tried to hide from the presence of the Lord. The big storm came. They threw him in the water, and he was swallowed by a whale. Okay? Now, I believe, and I think the Bible's pretty clear on this, that Jonah, when he was in that whale's belly, he did not die. He was in the, he was in the whale's belly. The Bible said Jonah prayed to God out of the fish's belly. Okay? So notice, though, in chapter 2, I, I believe with all my heart that what we're reading here is a prophetic passage about Jesus Christ. Jonah here is not so much writing about himself, he's writing about Jesus Christ. Because this was going to be a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that was going to be a sign to Israel that Jesus was in fact the Messiah and somebody who could save them. And so look what it says in Jonah 2 verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. So he's in the fish's belly praying, okay? That means he's alive. He's not dead in there, but look what it says. Instead, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardst my voice. I believe this is referring to Jesus Christ. I believe Jesus Christ, when he was dead, he was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, and uh, I believe when he was there, I believe he prayed to God. 
And I believe that God heard his prayer and God did not leave his soul in hell. Jesus wanted out of there. It says, for thou hadst cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas and the floods compassed me about all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about even to the soul, the depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption. O Lord, my God, when my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord and my prayer came in unto thee into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord and the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land and something that's important to understand about these old testament prophets they did god gave them specific things to do specific missions specific messages but often too their messages and their writings they were about jesus christ and they were about the future the, the bible's very clear about that the bible talks about how all the prophets they spoke of jesus and they spoke of the resurrection and there's no doubt what we're seeing here is about the resurrection of jesus christ and so this miracle that took place because folks this was a miracle getting swallowed by a whale when you're supposed to go to Nineveh and then getting vomited on the shores of Nineveh three days later that's a pretty good miracle now I the Bible doesn't tell us all the details but I don't think there's any doubt that what happened because of the fact that the Bible tells us that the men of Nineveh you know they're going to rise up in judgment against that generation because you know what they saw the miracle of Jonah they heard the message of Jonah and they repented, and I believe personally that when that whale vomited out Jonah on dry land, I think some people saw it. I think there's probably some fishermen out there, and they see a guy get vomited on the shores from a whale. Now, I'm telling you right now, I know they didn't have Facebook and social media back then, but word like that's going to spread through town pretty quick. So this dude just got vomited. Now, I don't know this. But I've, I've been told you get swallowed by a whale like that, being in all that stomach acid and everything would actually bleach your body. And that Jonah, probably when he came out, was probably all white and bleach looking and it wouldn't look like everybody else. And so all of a sudden they see this guy who everybody's heard about that got vomited up by a whale going through town saying, yeah, in 40 days Nineveh should be overthrown. And they can tell by looking, this guy, something happened to this dude. And, you know, those people, they saw just that right there. And they said, you know what? I think this message is of God. We probably better listen. You know, that's just smart. That's just common sense right there. And sure enough, they repented. And God ended up repenting of the evil that he had thought to do these people. So when Jonah gave that message, they repented. They, there was no reason to doubt what Jonah had said, even though they could have rejected the message. And so if a prophet being vomited up by a whale was a sign, then there's no doubt Jesus rising from the dead after three days was definitely a sign and he compared it to the sign of jonas because of the fact i do believe that jonas was a prophet who spoke of the resurrection of christ i think that's what we're seeing in jonah chapter two and listen when you see somebody die the way jesus did there was no doubt he was dead you have people out there today that try to say well he was just in a coma or like a deep sleep or something like that no you don't take the beating that he took you don't get nailed to a cross for several hours. You don't have a crown of thorn on your head. You don't have a spear put through your side. And then three days walk away like you're fine. 
That, that doesn't happen. After you're sealed in a tomb. Think about it. They steal him in a, in a tomb that was hewn out of stone. That means there's not going to be any air and the air is going to run out pretty soon. But yet Jesus Christ, sure enough, did rise from the dead. And a lot of people saw it. 500 at one time. They saw this. Folks, God gave them a sign. God gave them a great sign that nobody should have doubted, that should have made everybody believe. But yet, amazingly enough, a lot of people still didn't believe it. We see in Matthew 28 and verse 12. And it's not that they didn't believe it. It's that they wouldn't believe it. It says in Matthew 28, 12, And when they were assembled under the, with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye his disciples came by night and stole him away while he slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. The news media back then spread a fake story. It was a conspiracy, a real conspiracy. They gave these guys money. Hey, you tell everybody the disciples stole them. If the governor finds out, we got your back. We'll protect you. All right, we're all on the same page, right? The disciples stole them. This never happened. And that story was commonly reported. CNN was doing specials every Easter reminding everybody, no, this isn't what really happened. This is when the disciples, they faked the resurrection. They had CNN back then. People liked them. They had the spirit. They had the spirit of CNN back then. There's no doubt about that. Money was paid to keep them quiet. They didn't want to believe. It says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 1, and as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. We see these Sadducees who did not believe in a resurrection. They're grieved. They're angry. That these people are teaching a resurrection, and not just not just the resurrection of the dead of Jesus Christ. They're talking about the resurrection of the dead for all of us. The Sadducees denied that, but what they really hated was the fact that they were teaching the resurrection of the dead through Jesus Christ. Because the thing that was so great about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is its proof that we will rise from the dead one of these days. If in this life only we have open Christ, we are of all men most miserable. The fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that's not just good news for him. It's good news for us. It means that one of these days we will rise from the dead. It means that those that we love who were also believers, the dead in Christ, that they're going to rise from the dead one of these days. This is a good thing. This is good news. This is something to be excited about. But we see these Sadducees, because it didn't fit with their theology, you know what? They got grieved, they got angry, and they tried to put a stop to it. But thankfully, we see in this story, there were 5,000 at one time that believed and that got saved as a result of it. So while great effort was made to silence this message, many who didn't see it still believed. But notice, their belief wasn't based on their eyewitness account, but it was that they believed the message of the apostles. They believed the gospel. And folks, I'm here today to tell you that the only sign that the world is going to get is the sign of the prophet Jonas. That's it. And that's what and the 
the sign of the prophet Jonas is a reference to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what's the point of talking about a resurrection if you don't talk about how they died? And understand, the people that are out there that say, you show me why I should believe in God, you know what you do? You preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, no, I want you to show me something. I want you to do some kind of show. I want you to heal me. I want you to do some kind of miracle. No, that's not going to work. Jesus did a lot of miracles, and many people still didn't believe, even though they saw the miracles. It just made them want to kill him. Even when he raised the man from the dead, more than ever, they wanted to kill them. If people won't believe the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they're not going to get saved no matter what you do. You can make deals. You can do whatever you want to with them. We can go along with whatever they want us to do. We can you know, make our churches you know, look like a nightclub. We can bring in their music. We can do all their things that they want to do. It's not going to make them any more likely to get saved. If they won't believe the death, burial, and resurrection, they're not going to get saved. This is the sign. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, that was a sign. That's all you get. You say that's not enough. Well, how much more could you possibly need? Again, you don't get any better than that. And let me tell you something. What a lot of people are saying is I want to see him first. But you know what the Bible teaches? That one of these days Jesus Christ is going to come back and every eye shall see him. But you know what? By then it's going to be too late. Bible says that they're going that those ones they're going to mourn for him when that happens because they realize it's now too late they are in trouble we know that they're going to believe a strong delusion and they're going to believe a lie that they all might be damned you know why because they weren't willing to accept the truth when it was given to them they rejected it and that rejection of the truth it was because they were evil and I don't want and I don't want you to get the attitude that everyone who's not saved is evil I'm saying those who refuse who reject the gospel. Some people have just never been given a clear presentation. There's a lot of people out there. Nobody's ever lovingly you know, shown them what the Bible says. There's a difference between that person and someone who just rejects and rejects and rejects. And it's always those people too, the ones demanding the signs, they've already rejected. And it's pointless to even try. You know what you do? You talk about the death, burial, and resurrection. You talk about the gospel and if they, and, and you, you know what you're doing? You're shining that light. And if they want the truth, that the gospel is the truth. And if they want it, they can have it. It's that simple. They don't have to turn their life around first. Right now, in their present condition, they can be saved if they will believe the gospel. But that gospel, it does. It reveals the truth that we are sinners. It reveals the truth that there is nothing that we could do to earn our salvation. There is no way on earth that our religious performance would ever be acceptable to a holy God. I just talked to a, a Muslim man yesterday when we were out soul winning and, you know, and, he, and he was talking about how, you know, we believe in the same God, but we just don't believe in, in that Jesus Christ was the son of God or the way to God. You guys teach that you have to go through Jesus Christ. And I explained to him, I said, well, what makes you think that you can go to God in your present condition? I said, you can't. I said, I said, you can't go in the presence of a holy God in this sinful condition. I said, I can't do that unless I have a mediator, unless I have an offering to bring first. Because he started talking about the you know, Old Testament, how it's so much different. than the new. I said, no, not really. I, said, I, talked, I started talking about those holy offerings that they had to bring. I asked him, I said, what offering are you, so what offering are you giving to God when you go to him? 
eh, you know, and he, he just, you know, he didn't really know what to say to that. I said, you have to bring an offering that a holy God will accept for him to allow you there. And the only offering he will accept is the offering of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is why no matter what, you have to go through Jesus Christ. It's not about being a Baptist. It's not about a religious performance. It's about Jesus Christ. He is all we have. He is our only hope. That's it. No other way. And you must believe that. If you want to get saved, you must go to God. You must go to God with an offering. And all that only offering is Jesus Christ. You know what you must do? You must confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. You must believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You've got to admit that, God, I am too sinful. There is no way I deserve heaven. There is no way I deserve your love. But, Lord, I want that salvation. I want that gift of eternal life. And I'm, I'm trusting in your goodness and in your son to give that to me. And, Lord, please forgive my sin and save me. And God will save you just like that. And that's it. That, that is it. That is the only thing. And all you've got to do is you've got to believe that. And if you're, if you're just too arrogant that you think, no, I can earn it myself, I don't, I don't know what to say, except that your deeds are evil, and obviously there is no light. You're not letting that light in because the light will reveal what your works really are. You think they're pretty good. You know, we think we're pretty good sometimes, but let me tell you, this Bible and the light of it, it will show you that we're not very good at all. We're bad. We come short of God's glory, and I need mercy. And if you've never received that mercy, I hope you get it today. I hope you'll ask God to forgive you of your sins and to give you that eternal life that is so important. And and please don't ask for anything more than what he's already given. The sign, we already told you about it, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is risen. Jesus is alive today. Right there is all the proof anyone will ever need. And I hope you'll accept that. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord. Thank you so much for sending your son to pay for our sins and to be that offering for sin. Lord, I pray you'll help everyone here to realize that there's nothing that they could do uh, on their own to receive that gift of eternal life, but that they will just accept it uh, through your son, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.